0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz
1: every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.
0: Saturday, August 6th, 2022. I'm Kevin Cork. A trip to Taiwan with political, military, and diplomatic consequences. What House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's recent trip to Taipei means to the region, to U.S.-China relations, and perhaps even your
1: laptop. China saw this as a, as a strike against it by the United States government. And what we're seeing now, the new wrinkle in all of this, is that they're now striking out against the United States diplomatically.
0: The White House says it'll reduce inflation, but critics argue a half trillion dollars in brand new taxes would fall on rich and poor alike. All politics aside, who really are the winners and losers in the so-called Inflation Reduction Act?
2: The taxes in here, what are the way that I view them, is they're kind of economy-wide taxes. They're hitting across the board. They're, they're not adding to the the top tax bracket of, of individual tax dollars. This is the Fox News Rundown from
0: Washington. For such a short trip, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's recent visit to Taiwan could have long-lasting, even potentially dangerous, consequences for U.S.-China relations. What's been described as a defiant career capstone by the 82-year-old lawmaker could also prove to be the spark that ignites a disastrous regional conflict, with reverberations felt all the way back in Washington.
1: We're already seeing, Kevin, uh, reverberations from that visit to Taiwan. Uh, uh, Beijing, uh, very displeased with it. Senior
0: Foreign Affairs correspondent Greg Polcott takes a closer look.
1: They saw it as a strike against their sovereignty, a strike against the policy called the one China policy uh, held between the United States and China, that there is, in fact, one government of Beijing. But in fact, a lot of folks in America, a lot of politicians uh, speak up for the democracy, the independence that is Taiwan. And certainly, maybe first and foremost, uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who at the age of 82 maybe is a capstone for her career. Career of, of stridency against the uh, Beijing regime went to Taiwan, defying basically, according to reports, uh, word from the Biden administration and from the uh, Pentagon that maybe this wasn't a good time to go. She went, and frankly, <laughs> we're looking at the effects right now. We're in day two of a, a four day Chinese military exercise around Taiwan, which uh, not only is called by China unprecedented, but also China watchers as well, Kevin.
0: Let me ask you about those uh, exercises, Greg. Are we talking live fire? Are we talking you know, ships and planes and et cetera, sort of a show of
1: force or a combination thereof? All of the above, uh, Kevin. On day one, we saw 11 uh, missiles fired around uh, Taiwan, even over Taiwan. We've seen uh, dozens and dozens of uh, Chinese warplanes, warships involved, even drones. Uh, They've kind of summed it up, Kevin. Uh, Number one, they say... uh, this is a preparation for if we have to go to war, that is, that implies if we have to invade Taiwan, which frankly, is what they think they might have to do to regain control of this island, which it claims as its own. They also say, Kevin, that they're also uh, uh, working on procedures to blockade Taiwan, that is, blockade its ports, its airports. In fact, commercial flights and commercial shipping has been disrupted by that. Most experts see that that would be a precursor to any incursion by china so they're going through the motions here maybe they're using the pelosi visit as an excuse for this people say it's so prepared it couldn't have just been whipped up in a a couple of days but uh, they're flexing their muscles kevin
0: yeah definitely a pretext that's certainly been the argument in many corners here in washington and yet from the white house's perspective greg let's be honest about it they really were sort of wincing and pursing their lips uh when the speaker decided to make this trip weren't they
1: I think it's it's fair to say they mishandled this, uh, uh, Kevin. It is a very tricky policy, and, and not just uh, a Democratic administrations have adhered to it. Republican administrations have adhered to this idea that, yes, there is one Chinese government, but gosh, we really like what's happening in Taiwan. I think what happened with the Biden administration is that they... They let it leak. They let it come out that Mm. very famous line coming from uh, President Biden that he didn't think that the military was in favor of such a trip. And then it just snowballed from there. Then it became a political partisan issue with both Republicans and, in fact, Democrats piling on on the side of uh, Speaker Pelosi going. Uh, It got out of control. And uh, now it seems that Beijing is is taking advantage of, of quite a quite a political mess. I have another question, and it's
0: sort of a two-parter. Do you get the sense uh, from your observation that Washington sees this as, I don't know, Greg, a bit of an overreaction? It seems like an awful lot for what, at least in these quarters, seems like a fairly simple in-and-out trip.
1: That has been Kevin. The line coming from Secretary of State Blinken, uh, National Security Advisor Sullivan, and others that uh, China is overreacting. That this was a congr- a Codel, as, as mm. you and our probably listeners know about it, a congressional delegation visiting the island. But in fact, it's, it's much more because Nancy Pelosi is number three in line, a very high-profile figure, and and China saw this as a as a strike against it by the United States government, and what we're seeing. Now, the new wrinkle in all of this is that they're now striking out against the United States diplomatically. They are basically saying they're cutting off A range of dialogue procedures that have been uh, in existence between China and the United States, between uh, military uh, officials and and departments uh, on the uh, criminal justice front, even on the uh, climate change front, on environmental issues. They are really uh, blasting uh, the United States, once again, using this uh, visit as a pretext, but basically uh, uh, hitting on, on two fronts, both the military and the diplomatic.
0: Very aggressive posture from Beijing. Last question I have for you, Greg. I'd love to have you sum it up for the listener. Uh, What should they take from everything that they're going to hear as they sort of consume this in passing? But before I let you drill down on that nugget, can I get you to weigh in on this idea that Taiwan is important on a number of different fronts? Yes, it's a budding democracy, if you will. But I think there's also chip manufacturing that's essential to the operation of many businesses in this country. There's some growing concerns in some corners that if Taiwan goes, boy, could we be in
1: a world of hurt? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Kevin. It's an important uh, economic business powerhouse for the the tiny size. Imagine a population of 23 million, but one one of the leading uh, semiconductor uh, chip uh, manufacturers out there. Uh, And if there is a disruption, it's big news for the United States. It's important for China, too. They're big trading partners and for regional regional neighbors like uh, South Korea and Japan that, that look to it. Yeah, if, if something is messed up, and we've seen this already with the disruption of, of trade, both uh, by air and by sea, by these exercises, if that is disrupted, it could have a ripple effect in uh, economies that are already being battered by uh, well COVID-19 and other factors in the region. But yeah, to sum up, uh, Kevin, I would say what, what the uh, Chinese analysts are, are talking about right now is this could be the new normal. This could be something not just a one-off, as we say here in the UK, not just a one-time event by China, but it might be a regular thing that these exercises are unprecedented. They might continue to do this. They could block uh, Taiwan for, for 15 days, for 30 days, for 45 days to pile on the pressure leading up to what they want and they want to take taiwan back as as its own and so now It's back to the United States. Does the United States react to this as it has in past crises back in, for example, 95, 96, when something similar happened and the United States rolled a couple of aircraft carriers right up and into the uh, into the Taiwan Strait and and defied China? Or do they sit back and let uh, Taiwan uh, feel the pinch? So this is opening up a, a whole new chapter in the tensions involving China, the United States, Taiwan and the region, Kevin. Greg, thank you.
0: Imagine an army of tens of thousands of brand new IRS agents. Financial microscopes at the ready. Sound like a good idea? Well, the White House certainly thinks so. And if Congress agrees, you'll pay for it. Now and maybe later. What's been described as a political non-starter by some is... More than just an attempted cash grab, say critics, it's one example of the Inflation Reduction Act that, well, doesn't.
2: Obviously, the Federal Reserve's, I guess, uh, how persistent they are with raising rates, that'll obviously have a big impact on on what happens with inflation. Preston Brashers is a tax policy analyst at the Heritage Foundation. There's just a lot of unknowns out there. So um, there are a few promising signs but there are some that are that are not so promising right now so I think it remains to be seen
0: if we're talking inflation I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the administration's uh, so-called inflation reduction act Uh, what do you imagine that might mean for consumers and if you could sort of take a broad swipe at it and unpack that idea for American listeners they listen they hear this and they're hearing competing ideas about what exactly it might be and what it might exactly mean for them
2: yeah. So I don't think the Inflation Reduction Act is at all doing what it says it's going to do. It's, I don't think there's anything about this bill that will reduce inflation. If anything, I think there's more that's going to add to inflation. We have uh, a lot of spending in this bill. Uh, there's a lot of climate initiatives, a lot of uh, uh, essentially tax credits and and loans, uh, kind of cylinder style loans, essentially for green companies uh, to engage in, in, in green energy uh, instead of I guess, expanding the the sort of uh, cheap and efficient energy that that we know that Americans need, we have drug pricing, uh, fixing Mm -hmm. price controls Um, that will lower costs of those specific drugs. But uh, there's been a lot of uh, reports out there about what that's going to mean for all the drugs that that doesn't apply to and a lot of drugs that won't ever enter the market. And when drugs do enter the market, there's a lot of expectation that those prices will come in at a higher price so that those those uh, price controls hurt them less. And then, of course, there's a lot more taxes. Uh, you tax businesses more. The idea that increasing taxes is going to reduce prices for consumers, I think is is there's a lot of dots that they're trying to connect that, that I personally don't believe in.
0: You mentioned Solyndra, and for the folks who might not remember what that was all about, sort of harken back to what happened with Solyndra, what that company circumstance was like and why that was such a terrible uh deal for the american public
2: yeah so so what we're talking about here is essentially a a big pile of money that companies can can go after that can they apply for these loans uh cylinder was a very similar kind of uh wind and solar energy um and they end up going bankrupt so those loans of course if if those those investments are bad investments if those green energy companies end up going under Obviously, that's not going to be a good deal for taxpayers. So, so there's a lot of, I guess, hopeful thinking about the the future of these energy projects and and companies, uh, in order to come up with the optimistic views that some have about inflation reduction and debt reduction and all those things. I, I'm I'm very skeptical.
0: Yeah, I think there are a number of Americans who feel that way, especially as they look back and they wonder, what in the world happened there? And we're talking not a couple of bucks here, we're talking about fairly sizable amounts of money. Uh, Let me ask you about something else that I I sort of cherry-picked from the Inflation Reduction Act, and that's the expansion of the use of the IRS. And we're talking about a fairly sizable increase in the number of agents. Uh, What can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah. So what they want to do is they want to add $80 billion to the IRS's budget. Uh, This is going to be a 70% increase in their enforcement dollars. So this is a very sizable increase. We're talking about something on the order of about 87,000 new IRS agents uh, based off some estimates. Uh, And the hope from that and the reason they're doing that is they they want to collect 200 billion dollars more of revenue. So essentially, what that means, of course, is about for every two and a half dollars that we're putting into the IRS, one dollar is going back right back into the IRS. Uh, and that's what they consider a good return on investment, is getting a bigger and more bloated IRS. And you know, some people would view that and say, well, this is good because we're going to get people to be paying their more of their fair share. But the truth is we're going to have audits of americans across the board whether you're a conscientious taxpayer or not when you're expanding the size of the irs enforcement apparatus by that much that just gives them even more uh, leverage and 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 sway to be able to extend those audits not just to the big red flags that they see but now they can start to ex- extend a wider net and c- catch even more americans in these audits and these audits, of course, are going to be very expensive, whether you're an individual or a small business. If you're going under an audit, even if you are conscientious and if you paid all your taxes, that audit still hurts and it has real costs to you
0: yeah we're talking about a virtual army here of eighty thousand potential new irs agents and it's one thing if you are say of fairly decent means you have a two-income household you've done lots of saving throughout your life and you have to suddenly defend yourself legally okay maybe you can do that but the vast majority of americans don't live that lifestyle preston they don't have those sorts of resources they're gonna be i feel like at least uh, compelled to sort of pony up even if they have a a fightable chance to sort of take on the IRS. I, I just think this is probably for them uh, more onerous. Am I wrong on
2: that? Especially if you're talking about small businesses. I think that's where when they talk about the tax gap they they point a lot to sole proprietors uh, and they, they view that as, as a big problem area in part because these sole proprietors a lot of times they're running their own books, right? And so it's not because they're, uh, and in most cases, that they're trying to, to skirt the rules or anything, but it's just the IRS tax code, uh, the tax code is extremely complex, extremely convoluted. So there's a lot of ambiguity in there where it becomes very difficult if you don't have high priced accountants working for you to try right. to comply with that. And so if the IRS comes and is, is nitpicking on those, yeah, they're gonna find some, some things that perhaps could have been done differently. But at the same time, this is gonna compel all those businesses now these small businesses to spend a lot more resources to make sure that they have every, you know, I dotted and T cross, which is good, I guess. But at the same time, that's going to cause a lot of additional burden on them in terms of the, the overhead costs. And that's going to make it harder for them to, to pay decent wages. It's going to make it more likely that they're going to pass those prices on to consumers as well.
0: Is it possible that it could actually end up causing more inflation?
2: I absolutely think it will. Uh, I mean, if you if you look at what what you're talking about, For one thing you're talking about putting a bunch of you're taking uh 80 something thousand workers out of the workforce now uh to go work at the irs not to mention all the companies and and all the additional accountants and and people working in the audit space and everywhere else to try to comply with all these rules prices come down to you know how much money is there and and how how many goods are out there you know the the fed is dealing with how much money is is in the system but Correct. if we want to really deal with inflation, we've got to make sure that there are goods and services for people to buy and you don't produce goods and services by taking all these people out of the workforce and sticking them into some government bureaucracy or kind of fighting over every little nitpicky thing on someone's tax return. Uh, that's not a good way to increase the amount of supply. That's not a good way to put groceries on on the shelves and, and put gas in the in gas pumps.
0: As someone put it, I think, fairly uh, sharply, this will drive down employees' real wages, and in the same time, it, it could push up consumer prices, which adds to the fact that we're already paying more, and that's inflationary. Uh, last thing before I let you go, and it's sort of a two parter. You can take a swing at it as you would. Why is Joe Manchin out there saying there's not one penny of change in taxes when it seems demonstratively that that is false? The second part of the question is. What's the one takeaway you want to make sure people get? They'll hear this conversation. If you want to leave them with a nugget to make sure you drill down on something, what's that, Preston?
2: Uh, so I'll take the the, the mansion first uh, in terms of saying that there's not one, one penny in here of, of new taxes. Of course there's new taxes. Uh, you know, this is kind of the same idea I think we, we saw with inflation. That they, you know, with all the new spending that they had and in, in the series of, of big socialist spending bills that we had over the last year and a half, two years, they kind of pretended this was free money, that that you could throw this money out and there would be no cost. But then that cost ended up coming back to us, boomerangs back to us in terms of the inflation that we're feeling now. So there's there's always a cost. Um, and the same thing is gonna apply here. When you when you uh, levy all these different taxes, ultimately people are the ones that are gonna pay that. So that's that's number one. And I guess the, the, the big takeaway here is the people that pay that tax is is everybody. Now, this is kind of the, the taxes in here, what the way that I view them. Is they're kind of economy-wide taxes. They're hitting across the board. They're, they're not adding to the the top tax bracket of of individual tax filers. And so there's nothing like that in there. So the, the idea that this is only four hundred thousand dollars or more, uh, that's not that's not true. These are economy-wide taxes and it's gonna hit roughly a proportional to how much in- income you earn, you're gonna be paying these taxes.
0: Preston, thank you so much. I appreciate it, Kevin. Tomorrow on the Fox News Rundown from Washington, Fox congressional correspondent Chad Pergram explains the latest from the halls of Congress and a look back at the recent primary elections and what's to come in November. Until then, I'm Kevin Cork. Thanks for listening to the Fox News Rundown from Washington.